Good morning. You may have gathered that the band were playing Bless the Lord My Soul. So just to open with this morning, just listen to these thoughts. Oh my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. Oh my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell. He saves your life. He crowns you with love and with mercy. A paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work. He opened up all his plans to Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace. Bless God, all creatures, wherever you are, everything and everyone made by God. We're going to open with two songs as near as possible together. First of all, I will worship you, Lord, straight into Jehovah Jireh. Let's pray together. Father God, our provider, your grace is sufficient for us. You, God, will supply all our needs according to your riches in glory. You give your angels charge over us. You, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, care for us. What a fantastic way you bless us every day. And as we start our service together, let us not forget all your benefits. Let us not forget all your love. Let us not forget all your care, all your mercy. And let us rejoice in it. Be with us this morning, Father, and help all we do rise to you with a sweet-smelling savour. Please bless our time together. Amen. In terms of uh, welfare of our members here, um, Jo has passed me her notes and I've also had a, a, an email from um, Debbie as well. So Jo writes, Gladys is still in Ward 6 at Trafford General. She hopes she will be able to return home during the week. She appears relatively well and in good spirits but does get bored and appreciates visits. Sophie is doing well at home and we pray God will continue to bless her and Mike and Lucy. We continue to pray for Ollie and Hannah and Hermione. I've spelt that, said that wrong in my Hermione. That's terrible, isn't it? Sorry. And Hermione. I actually had a note from Debbie um, about them and she said that Hannah had had a very difficult week with her postnatal depression. Her anxiety has been very high and she's had a cold which Hermione seems to have caught. So she was asking for particular care for um, their family, including Ollie, who's trying to deal with it all. Um, she also asked that we prayed for Phoebe in her place at Sunderland until her accommodation sorted out and the finances are sorted out as well. Uh, they're obviously, um, Debbie and Chris, nervous about her leaving home. Uh, and Des has as yet been unable to secure employment. Joe writes, uh, we think of Helen as she awaits the birth of her baby. Marion has not been well lately and does appreciate contact. Please continue to pray for John and his work in the Congo. 
And Joe's also noted that uh, Land Camp starts on Saturday and several from our senior youth church and Friday club will be attending. We pray that it will be a safe, enjoyable and spiritually uplifting time for the young people and for their leaders. And I'd add a note there that since Jack and Mary won't be able to go this year, we ought to think of them, um, really, uh, and also um, for those who, uh, like Derek and Rosie, who will be helping out to fill in. We should also continue to think of those we don't see often, Bill, Haley, Tammy, Sarah Lewis, Devon and Christine, and Alan McGaw being among those. Joe's also noted that Pete Griffiths is having tests for a possible lung problem, and so she asked for prayers for both him and for Christine. And obviously it's lovely to see Mary here today, uh, and Jack and Mary, um, and we must continue to pray for Mary as she continues to go through um, the treatment that she has at the moment. There's a lot of notes there, I'll leave them on here in case you haven't got all of them, Trevor. I think when you go through a list like Steve just gone through it shows how much need we have in our church and how much need we have from a great and bountiful father who cares for us before I pray, pray for a number of people, circumstances and events is there anybody else you'd like me to add or any circumstances you'd like me to pray for ok if you join me let's pray together Father God, you are a God who invites us to speak to you, invites us to talk to you about the things we care about, the things we need your help with, the things we just want to share with you. And Father, this morning, no apologies for the fact that it's a long list. And therefore, please hear our prayer. And, and where requests are asked, please grant them. Father, for those who are still going through illness and times of difficulty, for Marion, for Gladys, for Hannah, for Hermione, and for the family there, please be with them. Please bring Gladys home soon and please maintain Marion's health so that we can see her often. Father, I did have a discussion with Mike via text this week wondering if Sophie was playing out this morning but she's not been able to make it. But we just thank you so much that she has made it home and we ask for you to bless her, to bless Lucy, to bless Mike and bring that family we bring that family to you to ask for you to, to strengthen them as a unit and particularly Sophie as she grows and to be part of this family here at Old Trafford very shortly we pray for Helen and as she gets very, very near to the time when she's due to an, for another member of her family, please be with her and bless her and keep her safe. Father, it's great to see Mary with us. And thank you for the witness that she is, that she's here needing you and needing that relationship with you when at times things aren't as level as you might want them to be and I thank you for Jack and I thank you for his consistency and just being Jack thank you Lord for helping people who have needed help Thank you for answering prayers for Phoebe for finding out what the problem was and the fact that it can be treated and for her and her family please 
encourage that healing for those who look after children and do things way beyond what many of us can do who look after children who have just been pushed from pillar to post in their lives and gone through all sorts of difficulties for everybody who does that please give them strength to continue but particularly this morning for Chris and Emma at a time when it's really difficult to understand why what's happened happened and why in this world they have no rights and their communication lines are being broken we pray also for Phoebe and Des for different reasons Des needs workload he needs help he needs strength and he needs encouragement to find meaning and find a way in which he can contribute for Phoebe please find her home and a way in which she can be supported at home in Sunderland and help her really feel at home and I pray for the church in Sunderland that they'll welcome her when she lands Lord there's a number of people and I'm only going to mention some but there's a number of people we don't see here as often as we'd like and for Bill, Haley, Tammy, Alan, Pete Sarah we pray for them and numerous other names who Devon and Christine who for whatever reason aren't with us at the moment particularly also for Pete as he goes through trying to understand how he feels what's wrong and getting to the bottom of his problems On a more positive note, Lord, this church relies on many people to work for you. And this week is a really good example. Throughout this week, there'll be activities going on in these buildings which will be trying to give you glory. Trying to show people that we all need to be changed from the inside out. And my prayer is for everybody who's taking part, for everybody who's leading in whatever way, shape or form that you give them the strength to bring increase and to give you glory as a result at the same time there's camps, there's holidays some which are just finishing, some which are just starting all of which aim to bring people to you Lord, help whoever goes enjoy whoever leading to lead and in all cases to bring people to you I'd also like to pray at this point for our managing committee they meet again tomorrow and they meet again and again and again and again to think of what's right for this church to think of what's right to serve you in the right way and I pray their meeting tomorrow helps bring clarity and helps bring direction again to be nearer to you so that we can all benefit from it in conclusion Lord I'd like to pray for John I was touched by some words we shared this week where I was telling John about some of the things that were going on within our family and John replied by saying there's no good news here in Kinshasa only that he knew that you sustained him and you gave him strength I pray for John yes in the work he's doing for you but I pray for John in himself that he keeps his strength and his conviction to work for you but also just to be able to keep going which at times can be very difficult please be with him please be with all the people we've mentioned we are your family and we need your help thank you Father Amen first reading we're going to take today is from 2 Samuel 19 
and I'm going to ask Jack to come and read that for us. Jack, please. Second Samuel 19. Joab was told, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that, that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men stealing, stealing who are ashamed when they flee from battle. And the king covered his face <coughs> and cried aloud, O oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life, the life of your sons and daughters and the wives of your lives, your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You've made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now, go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth until now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told the king was sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes. Throughout the tribes of Israel, the people were all arguing with each other, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled to the country because of Absalom. And Absalom, whom we appointed to rule over us, has died in battle. So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to this palace, since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king at his quarters? You are my brothers, my own flesh and blood, so why should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if from now on you are not the commander of my army in place of Joab. And he won over the hearts of all the men of Judah as though they were one man. They sent word to the king, Return you and all your men. Then the king returned and went as far as Jordan. Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out to meet the king and to bring him across the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahurim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And with him were a thousand Benjaminites, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his fifteen sons and twenty servants. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was, and they crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. When Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first of the whole house of Joseph to come down and meet my lord, the king. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said, Shouldn't Simei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. And David replied, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? This day you have become my adversaries. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Do I not know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, 
also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his moustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day that he returned safely. And when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? And he said, My lord the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it, so that I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever pleases you. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who sat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? And the king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him take everything now that my lord the king has arrived home safely. Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Rogelim to cross the Jordan where the king and with the king and send him to, uh, sorry about that Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Regalim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there now Barzillai was a very old man 80 years of age he had provided for the king during his stay at Manahayim, for he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, How many more years shall I live, that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I am now eighty years old, can I tell the difference between what is good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of men and women singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance. But why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return that I might die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him whatever pleases you. And the king said, Kimham shall cross over with me and I will do for him whatever pleases you and anything you desire from me I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan and the king crossed over the king kissed Barzillai and gave him his blessing and Barzillai returned to his home. Then the king crossed over to Gilgal. Kimham crossed with him and all the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. And soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king and saying to him, why did our brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away and bring him and his household across the Jordan, together with all his men? And all the king of Judah answered the men of Israel, We did this because the king is closely related to us. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provisions? Have we taken anything for ourselves? Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah, we have ten shares in the king and besides we have a greater claim on David than you have so why do you treat us with contempt? Were not we the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the men of Judah responded even more harshly than the men of Israel. We're also going to read Romans 11 and 12 and Ben's going to read that for us. Romans 11 I asked them Did God reject his people? By no means I am an Israelite myself A descendant of Abraham From the tribe of Benjamin God did not reject his people Whom he foreknew Don't you know what the scripture says In the passage about Elijah 
how he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace there is no longer by works, if it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain. But the elect did. The others were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so they could not see, and ears so they could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I am talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation to envy, sorry, for if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share a nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches will be broken off, so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I will take away their sins. As far as the Gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on the account of the patriarchs. For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. Just as, just as you, who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depths of riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgment and his path beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with, ju with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual further, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave the room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you both. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, providing that you continue. Let's sing together. Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. Nick, please come and encourage us. Good morning, everybody. I don't know about you, but I find it easier to identify myself with Bible heroes more than Bible villains. I suppose it's, it's quite natural, isn't it, to sort of think, yeah, I'm more like, more like the, the good guy rather than like the bad guy. Um, which is kind of appropriate, I suppose, when, when we, the first reading today looked at David, didn't it? King David, didn't it? He's a person whose, whose faith shone through in adversity. And, you know, I like to think that's the sort of person I, I, I'm like, or that's the person I, I aim to be like. I'm much less inclined to, to identify myself with his predecessor, King Saul. You know, his faith wasn't quite up to scratch, was it? He never quite got there. When, he, when adversity came, he didn't really, uh, his faith didn't shine through. But in reality, and on closer inspection, there's a lot of similarities between King David and King Saul. And unfortunately, if I'm honest, I find that really I'm probably more like King Saul, the villain, rather than David, the hero. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start off just summarising a few similarities. And yeah, I apologise if it's a bit boring, but... Um, I think it is interesting to see some of the similarities that, that they had. Um, so to start with, Saul was tall. Um, okay, so I'm not that much like Saul. <laughs> um, yeah, Saul was tall, um, and he was handsome. David, we're told, was handsome. It, probably tall as well. So they were both handsome, good-looking guys. Saul's an obedient son. You know, when, when his father's donkeys go missing, his dad says, go, go find them. He goes and finds them. David, he's obedient to his father. His brothers are at the battlefront. Dad says, take him some food. Off David went. When Saul couldn't find the donkeys, and with a little prompting from his servant, Saul recognised the need to seek God's help, to go to God for help. 
So he went to see the prophet Samuel. David also looked to God for help in time of need. He recognised that God could help, particularly, obviously, when he went and faced Goliath. He knew that God was there with him. Saul showed humility. I don't think we necessarily think of Saul as being that humble, but he showed humility. The obvious incident was when Samuel told him, told Saul, that he, Saul, was going to be the one on who, whom Israel's hopes rested. And Saul said, who? Me? No, no, I'm a nobody, my family's a nobody. He, he showed humility. and we, we may sort of think, well, it was feigned humility, I, I don't know, but that's what he did. David showed humility. Um, a few days ago in the daily readings, Abishai wanted to go and kill Shimei when Shimei's there cursing David as David's leaving Jerusalem and David told Abishai to leave Shimei alone that the cursing was deserved that, that God had, had told, told Shimei to do that Saul was given a prime seat by Samuel at the place of worship during the sacrificial meal and the same thing happened to David. David had to be present before, Saul, before Samuel would sit down at the sacrificial meal. Obviously Saul was anointed king by Samuel. David also was anointed king by Samuel. Saul was given God's spirit. David also received God's spirit. Saul prophesied. David prophesied. Saul was nowhere to be seen when Samuel came to announce him king and David wasn't around when Samuel turned up to anoint him king different reasons I know um, but there's, there's lots of similarities between Saul and David there's a fine line between being a Bible hero and a Bible villain and I wonder whether or not one of the reasons that Saul was hiding was that he hadn't actually done what Samuel had commanded him to do. Saul's hiding incident, we're told, actually took place in Mitzpah. But when you read, read the incident, it's back in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're not going to go there, but when you read the incident, Samuel had actually told Saul to wait seven days at Gilgal, not Mitzpah. So why, why was Saul at Mitzpah? He probably ran away, he's probably a bit scared. I mean, I'd be a bit scared if somebody had said, you're, you know, the hope of Israel rests on your shoulders, you're the one to deliver them, you're going to have to be the first one to go into the battle and, and put your life at risk and this, that and the other. Yeah, I'd have been scared, certainly would have been. But the point is, Saul hadn't quite done what Samuel had told him to do. But nonetheless, he's anointed king, and a few years later, um, and Samuel had again told Saul to wait seven days. And we, we, we find that this time Saul actually did. He went to Gilgal and he waited. He didn't run away and hide. He did as he'd been commanded. He waited and he waited and he waited. And the situation was, was bad. It was really, really desperate. The danger from the Philistines was imminent. They were at war. Loads of, loads of the army, loads of the Israeli army, they were deserting left, right and centre. Saul's getting scared and he's waiting, waiting. Where's Samuel? Samuel doesn't turn up. So Saul, he had to do something. So he decides, right, I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to worship, I'm going to offer sacrifice to God. And there's nothing wrong with that, is there? If you're in a, in a situation like that, there's nothing wrong with turning to God. There's nothing wrong with being scared and admitting I, I need some help and therefore taking it to God, doing what he, what he can, offering sacrifice to the one who actually can deliver you. And David did exactly the same thing. He offered sacrifice. You may, you may remember the numbering incident that happened and, and the angel of the Lord went out destroying the people of Israel when it, all, when it was all over when the angel was told to, to stop doing it David offered sacrifice so it's not necessarily the fact that Saul offered the sacrifice that was, was an issue but 
whatever the issue was when Samuel actually did turn up Samuel says to Saul he hadn't done what he'd been commanded to do so that may have been he was sacrificing when he shouldn't have done it may have been that he hadn't quite waited long enough it may have been that he actually wasn't in the right place we don't precisely know what it was he specifically had been commanded but Samuel said to him you haven't done what you've been commanded so there's a common theme cropping up here but Saul and all credit to Saul I think Saul had messed up he'd offered the sacrifice and, and Samuel said you've not done what you've, you, you should have what I've commanded you to do so as a result that's it your kingly dynasty isn't going to last but unperturbed by that Samuel uh, Saul continues to serve God we see in his life how that even after that incident he carried on leading Israel into battle fighting their battles beating the nations round about destroying people who came up against Israel putting his life on the line he continued trying he could have said forget it that's it well if I'm not going to be king if my, my kingly line is not going to continue why should I put my life on the line but he didn't he continued trying he persevered in the role of king but we all know the story of Saul's life it's a familiar story isn't it and we know that again he didn't do what he was commanded he'd been told to destroy everything of the Amalekites and he didn't do it so, and when Samuel confronts him Saul makes excuses he, he says well you know, the people wanted to save the animals so they could sacrifice them to God it doesn't carry any weight with Samuel Samuel knows what's going on and he says to Saul has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the, than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he also has rejected you from being king then Saul said to Samuel I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice David tried the same thing when he slept with Bathsheba he'd broken the commandment of God and then he tried to cover it up even down to having Uriah killed and eventually when Nathan the prophet confronts David David comes clean Saul had come clean when he's confronted David came clean as well when he was confronted but I suppose here is the big difference between Saul and David it's not the fact that they both failed it's more the fact that it's more how they actually reacted to the failure Saul was still looking for an excuse any excuse he said yes I've sinned but it wasn't because it was because I feared the people he was looking for an excuse he, he was coming clean but the excuse was there and like I say Saul's life it's a familiar story and it's all too easy or I found it easier and easy in the past to read about Saul to shake my head point the thing, finger and say well come on you are, you, you, you are someone who had so much you had everything you were good looking rich you were made king you had it all and you messed up so badly that's terrible that's terrible but what I 
don't really do and what I should really do, I don't apply what happened in Saul's life to myself. I'm too busy thinking I'm more like David. I'm not, I'm not looking at Saul and thinking, well, really, I'm more like him. And as I say, I'm not tall like Saul, but I have been anointed a king. Revelation chapter 1. It says we've all been anointed kings. All of us. Imagine that. I'm a king. And that means, yeah, I've got, I've, I've got to act like a king now. I've got to be prepared to stand up and be counted. Which is quite scary. But that's not the only way that I'm like Saul. I'm like Saul in other ways. I stand here and I talk about God. Well, it might not be here, it might be other places, or it might be at work, it might be wherever. I prophesy, I speak about God to people. And there's other ways I'm like Saul. I recognise the need to come and worship, to offer sacrifice to God. And I'm also like Saul in that I recognise the need to ask for forgiveness. And just like Saul, when I'm faced with my Goliaths, with real challenges to my faith, when it comes to completely putting the commands of God into practice, I'm all too happy to not quite do everything that I've been commanded to do. I'm quite happy to hide behind excuses instead of totally putting my trust in God. I brought a, a copy here. This says, Neighbours from hell facing eviction. These neighbours happen to be our neighbours. Yeah? Um, there were, for months and months and months we've been having loads of trouble in our, our neighbourhood most of it stemming from next door to us and it's been quite horrendous there's been youths hanging around um, the place has been like a youth club right on our own doorstep so there's kids there in their mid to late teens shouting, swearing, smoking drugs, drinking alcohol violence, vandalism, rubbish piling up for months on end and the house was being rented to a couple with a three-year-old daughter and they just let all this carry on they didn't appear to care that the daughter was was in and amongst all this type of behaviour one of our other neighbours he felt so threatened that he actually got someone to go around with a gun and threaten this family next door to us to try and get them out of there um, and to a certain extent it was understandable the, the police and the, the, the authorities that they just said oh well just keep a log of things keep, you know, keep reporting it they didn't actually seem to be actively doing anything so this man you know, he was worried about himself his, his wife and, and his um, daughter and that's what he did he, he, he wanted to try and protect them and that's the way he thought he could protect them but it didn't work he's gone into hiding I haven't seen him for months He's gone into hiding, he's that scared, he's running scared. Anyway, our disruptive neighbours, one day I get home from work and the rubbish that had been piling up for months in the front garden, they were, they were shipping it through the house and piling it up in the back garden. Uh, piling it up, piling it up. Um, and then they poured petrol on it, so it's pretty obvious what they were going to do. And fortunately, Rachel realised in time, so she got the kids away from the, the patio window and they set fire to this bonfire and things were exploding everywhere left, right and centre we had debris landing in our garden aerosols were exploding puncturing through the fence you know not the most sensible thing to do um, and I was laughed at and I was abused when I went out and confronted them about their behaviour and that threat of physical violence and, and danger sort of hangs over us even now um, but through it all we put our trust in God but to be fair I didn't know anybody who had a gun so I couldn't have got anybody to go around with a gun um, you know, but to be fair there was no choice you know, 
nobody else could do anything. The police didn't seem to be doing anything. The landlord of the property didn't seem to be doing anything. The, the council didn't seem to be doing anything. I had no option but to put my trust in God. There was no one else to rely on. So, yeah, we put our trust in God. We prayed about the situation. You know, obviously, we, we attended the meeting. We worshipped God while all this was going on. We thought about prophecies about how things would degenerate in, in, in times to come that, Jesus, you know, that the Bible tells us about. You know, so in many ways, I found myself just in a, in a similar position to Saul. I was in a difficult position. I was, I was doing things that I needed to do, worshipping and, and praying and, and asking for forgiveness. But just like Saul, I wasn't paying the full attention to what God actually commands of me. I was picking and choosing which commands I was going to keep and which I wouldn't. And it was one day while all this was going on, I'll just say, by the way, um, the council and the police have basically boarded up the property next door. Um, the people have, have moved out, but they're still in the area. There's still sort of issues ongoing. Um, but anyway, one day... I was on the train on my way to work reading Luke and it was Luke chapter 6 and this time as I'm reading Luke chapter 6 I actually listen I listened to what God through Christ was commanding of me and I realised that's when I realised that just like Saul I'm not doing as I'm commanded to do. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 But I say to you who hear and this is a direct commandment of Christ love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. no good me pointing the finger at the likes of Saul if I'm not willing to actually do what I've been commanded to do directly commanded to do by Christ I have to put my faith completely absolutely and totally completely put my faith in God I have to face up to my Goliath in the way that Jesus would want me to. And what Jesus says here in Luke actually ties in with what we read in Romans. Because it sums up in a, in a lot of ways there in Romans the point that I'm trying to make here. how that the common theme of all this is how easy it is to sometimes think we're doing what we're commanded to do but like Saul not quite doing it fully not quite fully doing what we've been commanded Romans chapter 12 and verse 14 bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse. And then verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I wasn't living peaceably with them. I was going out. I was, I was getting mad. I was going out with my neighbours, confronting them. I was getting livid. Beloved. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's so easy, or I was finding it so easy, to, to have evil thoughts to want to do evil things and I, you know it's easy sometimes to sort of make an excuse well I need to protect my family you know I, I need to protect them and, and do whatever it takes to do that 
instead of actually putting my trust in God and believing that God is there doing the protecting what I need to be doing is showing love to my neighbours is showing Christ to my neighbours that's what I'm commanded to do chapter 13 and verse 8 owe no one anything except to love one another for he who loves another has fulfilled the law these are the things we're commanded it goes on to say verse 9 for the commandments you shall not commit adultery I wasn't committing adultery you shall not murder I wasn't murdering you shall not steal I wasn't stealing you shall not bear false witness I wasn't bearing false witness you shall not covet I wasn't being greedy and if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying namely you shall love your neighbour as yourself I wasn't loving my neighbour oh no yeah I was keeping this commandment that commandment the other commandment but I wasn't quite doing everything that I've been commanded to do. And I suppose that's where David was different. Because when Shimei was cursing, back in our first reading, Second Samuel, when Shimei was cursing, David let it go when David's coming back into Jerusalem Shimei comes to meet him and David Shimei comes to David and he begs for mercy and David shows mercy he shows love and that's what Christ does isn't it Christ shows mercy to us he shows love and that's why I have to come here I have to come and meet Christ just like Shimei had to go to meet David to realise yes I've messed up I haven't quite done what I should be doing I need your mercy I'm sorry help me guide me so I, I need to come here to meet Christ and I need to look at these Bible characters whether they're Bible heroes or Bible villains and I need to apply what's happened in their lives to what's happening in my life to use what's written here as a guide to examine myself when I come here come and worship in the right way to worship in the spirit of love and to show that love outside of these four walls so I think it's worth just closing with the incident when Shimei came to David for mercy and just think about maybe what, what's said there applying it personally as though it's me coming to Christ when I come here now Shimei the son of Gera fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan then he said to the king do not let my lord impute iniquity to me or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem that the king should take it to heart for I your servant know that I have sinned therefore here I am the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king but Abishai the son of Zeruiah answered and said shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the lord anointed and David said what have I to do with you you sons of Zeruiah that you should be my adversaries to me should be adversaries to me today shall any man be put to death today in Israel for do I not know that today I am king over Israel therefore the king said to Shimei you shall not die and the king swore to him I come here today to ask for Christ's mercy and to believe that Christ just like David will grant that mercy so that I 
to worship in the way that I've been commanded to worship in love. Thanks, Nick. Behold the hero upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I'm going to sing How Deep the Father's Love. So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Alex, will you come and pray for the bread? Loving Heavenly Father no one has ever seen you and I think maybe that's because we fall so far short of your glory that if we did see you we'd probably melt but you tell us Lord that if we love one another you will live in us and your love be made complete in us Lord you say to us that we will know that we live in you and you in us because of your spirit that you give to us Lord, every time I take bread and share it with my brothers and my sisters here I see that as confirmation of a unity that we have in you a unity that your spirit brings the unity that gives us the ability to love each other you tell us that whoever loves you must also love his brother and sister Lord you are love and that love is expressed so incredibly by the power of your saving grace in our Lord Jesus up there on the cross knowing that he had to stay there because we could never do what he did Lord live in us and help us to continue to live in you and help us use this sharing of one loaf together to remind us to be bound together in you, in your love with your spirit in perfect unity with each other with you and with our Lord Jesus and in his strong resurrected name we ask this prayer Amen John ladies and thanks for the wine Mighty God, uh, thank you for this sip of wine that we're going to take now, that we take in remembrance of your dear son's blood shed for us. How do you measure the hair, O Lord? If we take the scales of the world, then he's six foot five, rippling with muscles, never gets hurt, does good deeds, and has a kindly face. But, Father, we cannot gaze upon the face of your dear Son. We cannot recognize it. Because if we use our minds to visualize him, we will never see the real Jesus. We see the real Jesus in his deeds. And we can strip away those magnificent miracles and we can strip away the words that he said and we are left with this father this 
man on a cross, this blood shed for us. And are we deserving of this blood, Father? We are the neighbours from hell. We are the weak and the foolish. We are the undeserving, and yet this blood was shed willingly for us. Father, we thank you for this symbol, for this warm taste of wine on our lips, because we know that your mighty love, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave himself willingly for us, and that we will be with him in the future, whether it be in an instant or in a million years, that day will come. We know this to be true because he is the hero, the perfect who gave himself for us. Bless this wine now in his name and strengthen us with it. Amen. I've never met a hero, but one day I will. And when I stand in glory, I will see his face. And there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. We'll close in prayer. But first we'll sing together, There is a Redeemer. Lord Jesus, I don't know now what challenges this week's going to bring. I don't know what you're going to put in front of me or anybody in, in this room. I don't know how I or we are going to react. What I hope and pray is that at all times in whatever happens this week, we think how you'd react. And we try and put that into practice. We show love to our neighbours. We show love to each other and more important than anything else we show love to you Lord Jesus the one thing I really hope happens this week is that I meet you and that your kingdom comes to this earth this week it really could Whatever our paths, whatever our challenges, whatever our thoughts, whatever our needs, I know you, Jesus, and I know you, Father, will be with us. Please give us your strength, because we can do nothing on our own. Thank you. Amen.